Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Before our episode, I want to announce a new sponsor for the podcast, and that is the Grip Approach. Have you thought about adding more rehab services to your office, yet stalled, not knowing where to begin? Most of us know our patients would benefit from skilled rehab in addition to adjustments, but the process can seem daunting to implement and to know exactly what to do to get good results. As chiropractors, we're skilled at palpating the spine to know where to adjust, and the GRIP approach allows us to do the same thing with rehab by essentially palpating a patient's movement control with a series of simple tests. GRIP shows you which rehab exercise to utilize, the best tissue therapies to use, and how often to do it for exceptional results with your patients every time. The best part is GRIP is organized online in a way that you can access seamlessly during patient care. By simply typing in a body region plus the movement of issue, you will get tons of great information on how to help your patients via quick one-minute clips and detailed notes. Right now, their, their introductory course is 100% free on gripapproach.com. That is G-R-I-P approach.com. So there's no reason not to check it out today. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today we're going to have a solo round for you. We're going to dive into a thought process. It's, kind of, it's going to be kind of me just riffing and, and running through some thoughts. I, I jotted some things down. Not that I'm making this up or anything, uh, but it's, you know, it's essentially what I've done over the years in my practice, or at least try to, and that is uh, the, the idea of compel and repel. And I'm going to dive into that today and discuss that and what that could potentially mean for you. And I just want you to think about it a little bit. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do or you know, say you have to do it this way, but I'm going to just give you some ideas and I want you to think on a little bit. Okay. So the idea of compel versus repel, this is something where I first learned it from Joe Polish, who's a, a marketer. He, he started out as a uh, interesting story if you haven't heard of him, but he started out many years ago as a pl- uh, carpet cleaner. And he started to learn uh, marketing to grow his carpet cleaning business. And he did really well with it and ultimately decided to help other carpet cleaners with their marketing. And then he did such a good job of that. He ended up becoming just a well-known marketer for everybody. And so people mostly now forget that he at one one point was just a carpet cleaner and then was just a marketer for carpet cleaners, right? Uh, kind of like for me, I was a chiropractor, still am, uh, for many years, and now I'll do marketing for chiropractors. Uh, probably just stick with that particular niche and not go to the next level, but who knows. And so I try to take a lot of the information from some of these marketers and apply it to our profession. I think that's one of the unique skill sets that maybe I have is that I understand marketing, I understand uh, chiropractic and how to, to kind of blend the two, whereas maybe a marketer that's not really familiar with the chiropractic profession, or maybe somewhat is, doesn't know all the nuances. And I, and I use the analogy a lot of uh, learning a language. You know, if you, if you understood 
a second language, about 85%, you would be able to function very well. But some of the nuances of that language you wouldn't get and some of the, maybe the humor or the subtleties you wouldn't get. And I think I can bridge that gap. And I remember learning that compel versus repel in the sense of marketing uh, years ago and, and really uh, honing in on that idea, right? And so they talk a lot about having marketing that compels people to come in and repels uh, other people not to come in. And I think you can also look at it from not just a marketing standpoint, but also just the way you do business or the decisions you make can compel and repel. And one of the things that we've probably all faced in, in our practices is uh, not liking certain situations and wishing uh, your, whether it's your patient base or insurance is paying better or your hours or whatever, there's a lot of different things you wish you could change about your, your practice in a sense, right? And so uh, what I want you to kind of think of, you, you, you know, there's a lot of different types of people listening to this episode and some of you are new to the game and just trying to build and some of you have been in this for a while and are already built. And so if you've been doing this for a while, like myself, uh, it's kind of like the having this huge block of clay and then you can try to obviously mold that clay or chip away at it into a, a statue. And that's where you probably have to come from this thought process. Whereas if you are new to this and you have not built up your practice or just starting, uh, you can kind of, you know, start from scratch and, and build the, the practice that you want. I know we tend to get concerned about being too niched and we just want people through the door and I get that. So a lot of times it works out pretty well when you uh, mold that clay uh, after the fact. Uh, the the issue is a lot of people don't make the hard decisions or the accurate decisions to mold that statue and build that practice that they want. And and that's where I'm going to try to challenge you today to start thinking about that. You know, if there's something about your practice or there's types of patients or types of reimbursements or, or whatever it may be that you're not satisfied with, I, I challenge you to start developing a plan to solve that and, and really build that practice that fascinates and motivates you. And, and that can, well, you know, look very different. So one of the things that I always find uh, potentially valuable is, is, is kind of giving my background a little bit. I know some of you have heard it, but if you're aware of the, you know, the curse of knowledge, it's the idea that you think everybody knows what you're going to say or that you, you skip over something because you just assume they know that. And I'm sure some of my audience has never heard any of my background. Uh, but interestingly enough, you know, it's like I've been practicing now. I'm on my 17th year. I've been doing this for a while. And the first half of my, my career, I was really just a clinician and known more for sports chiropractic and working with a lot of uh, athletes and high-level athletes and things of that nature. And then it's been this last six, five, six, seven years where uh, maybe people know me now with the marketing stuff. And obviously, if you're listening to this episode or this podcast, you know I do marketing. Uh, so I, the point of me bringing that up was that I, I did a good job early on. I'll give myself credit. Even before I knew anything about marketing, I did a pretty good job of designing a practice that I would like. 
And then I ran into a situation where I needed to uh, kind of remold it a bit. But essentially, when I graduated in 05, I was certified in, I'm going to just, you know, certified a bunch of things. But the one that I'll cherry pick is active release technique. And and I use them as an example. Um, I would say they've, um, it's not as, it's not the same as it was. I'm still certified in ART, but when I was getting certified in 05, 06, 07, um, you know, there was a huge following uh, of athletes to active release technique providers. And there still is. But at the time, there was like this sweet spot of, I was one of the few providers in South Florida. And a lot of people were seeking it out. I mean, Tim Ferriss wrote about it in his four hour body. I mean, there was just a ton of it was, it was just like, the tipping point. And I really benefited greatly from that. And if you were an ART provider, fully certified, and you know, and you had you're on the ART provider website, and you had information on your website, it would attract a certain type, it would compel, right, a certain type of patient into your practice. And it was a very good patient. If you wanted to have a sports chiropractic practice like I did, it was the runner, it was a triathlete, it was the football player, it was the golfer, it was, it was these active lifestyle, um, you know, high performing type of people seeking you out. And so there was this perfect marriage of being certified in a technique that really helped people get better and this perception of, oh, that's, that's the type of chiropractor I need to go see. And it really, um, did, did a lot of good for my, my career early on. There's other things that did a lot of that, but that was just an example of, you know, having a, a particular certification or credentialing that could compel people into your practice and start molding a practice around that. Uh, but I was also, you know, doing a lot with golfers. I was TPI certified and I was, um, <clears throat> I traveled on the PGA tour in 2011 with some golfers uh, for about five events. It was great. Um, tra- the traveling and being there for five days was, was, and I was, I had just opened up my own practice and I was a solo doc. So I realized the the finances of it weren't going to work out in that regard, but it was a great experience. It gave me a lot of recognition in the community. I've worked a lot um, in the community with golfers, so it's been something I did a uh, you know a lot of clear audience building and messaging without really knowing it at the time, at least the marketing theory around it. Around it, and so I did that. I, I did a ton of public speaking for runners and triathletes and fitness people. I would do. Uh, workshops for trainers to try to teach them about injury prevention and then what to do if they do get injured as far as, you know, referring them out and and then collaborating with that trainer on them still working out, but obviously getting care and getting better and, and having that communication. And I just built up a practice of a lot of active people. And then what ended up happening was once I've started to build up this practice of active folks, uh, it, it, it attracted other people too, because it was like, okay, if, if he's good enough to treat X, Y, Z, you know, this active person or this athlete, then they're probably good enough to, to treat me. Uh, and then I did that, um, for a couple years, pretty aggressively in the community. I mean, I was everywhere, uh, to the point where I would, I, I got noticed by another, uh, chiropractor that had, had just opened up a facility inside of a training, a sports training facility. And that sports training facility, uh, was training a lot of high-level athletes, a lot of NFL, Major League Baseball players, NHL. And so that chiropractor had come to me to give me an opportunity to be in a partnership with him and, and to be the, the doc running it in that particular, let's call it satellite location. 
and I accepted that and I was in the, the towards the tail end of 07 and it got me, you know, I started treating a lot of pro athletes and then that just kind of snowballed. Uh, but me putting a lot of that effort into those particular patients, it compelled people to come into my practice, but then it also compelled a chiropractor to seek me out, um, to, to run an office. So it can work in multiple ways, uh, to do that. Right. And so that was kind of an example of that. And I, I kind of ran with that. Right. And I would say it, it did compel a lot of people. Uh, it, I would say it repelled not a ton of people. I I still was getting patients that weren't necessarily my ideal fit. We're all going to get those. Um, but it was starting to, um, you know, build up a a nice practice. And, and I, and then in 2010, I opened my own practice and kind of just went, you know, strong with that. And it all went very well out of the gates. And so 2010 to 2013, I was an in-network provider in my own practice and things were building very well. So it was great and it was fun. I started to do the corporate wellness. A lot of people know I'd done on-site chiropractic care. At one point we had six locations and that we really kind of turned ourselves into a local expert in uh, corporate wellness and and especially mostly musculoskeletal uh, corporate care. And we got a lot of people referred to us from that. We got ergonomics gigs and, you know, paid gigs and free ones that we use for marketing. Like if a company was close to us, we would do it complimentary. We were certified in ergonomics assessments and that would help with our marketing. So it was kind of adding another layer of that. And so we, we were doing a good job of uh, compelling uh, the desk worker uh, to come into our practice as well. Okay. And so this is how I built up the practice and I was full time. I was going to uh, open up another office in Miami. I was going back and forth. I, I really worked a ton. It was pretty looking back on, it, I don't think I could do it anymore. Uh, I think we all have a shelf life of being able to really bust it hard. I highly recommend doing that out of the gates first five to 10 years. And then once you've done that well enough, you can start to uh, whittle down, which is what I'm going to get to now, as far as uh, kind of repelling, right? And and that's, you know, essentially, I've talked about it before, where insurance has got out of hand, right? Down here in Florida, they cut our reimbursement, like in half, basically, it got to the point where, you know, I was in network with three of the four, one of them was already terrible, it was like $40 a visit, max. And then, you know, depending where you're at, it might be acceptable, but down here in, in South Florida, in particular, uh, Boca Raton, Florida, it's an expensive place to to work and live, and getting forty dollars for a visit, especially when you do ART and you know Graston and rehab exercises and manipulation, like it just got out of control. Uh, some people can do it, and there are people doing it, so that's why I'm going to kind of touch on that in a little bit as well. Uh, but I just made the decision, you know, I was going to. Um, go out of network. And I slowly, at first it was Cigna, then it was Blue Cross, then it was Aetna, got out of them. Uh, we're now a fully out of network provider for private insurance. We, we take auto insurance. Um, but the, the moral of the story was, okay, I hit a point where I said, okay, I need to now mold this practice to where I'm at now. And, and currently where we're at, and I'll go through the steps in a second, but currently where we're at, is we're at a network, like I mentioned, uh, we're higher cash rates, not going to dive into what that is, but we're higher cash rates. And uh, we we don't see high volume, but we see pretty good volume. 
and I'm part-time. I'm here Mondays and Thursdays treating patients. Uh, I probably could not treat patients if I wanted to, but I'm not ready to do that. Uh, I've got a full-time doctor who's doing great and really growing over the last couple of years. And we have a really good patient base. You know, we have a patient base that values their care in a lot of ways. And we have a very active lifestyle, health-conscious patient base. Uh, we are in Boca Raton, Florida, so um, there are some interesting folks down here that could be tough to deal with. So there's no, it's never going to be perfect. But the way I look at it is if you can, I mean, you got Pareto's principle, which is 80-20, which really doesn't pertain to what I'm going to say now. But if you can get 80% of your patients to be awesome and 20% that are kind of whatever or worse, that's probably a good ratio where you can sustain that and be fascinated, motivated. Uh, when you when you run into a problem is when you look at your schedule for the day and you and, and like half of them, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to talk to this person. <laughs> uh, and we all know that feeling. We've all looked at our schedule and saw someone on there and be like, oh no. Uh, but you, you should have kind of, you know, like the goal, this is just a a rough number, but if you can get 75, 80% of your patients that are falling into that category of people you hope were compelled to come into your office and the other 20% you wish you could repel, you're doing pretty good. And so uh, we've made those decisions to say, you know what, we didn't want the price shopper anymore, right? And that and that was a hard decision. We, we lost some patients. Um, it was difficult, but overall now looking, looking back on it, every time we dropped an insurance and then every time we stuck to our ideal patients and every time we've made decisions, it has worked out in our benefit, right? Um, the other thing that we, we have done is say with Medicare, I could run into a situation. Uh, and again, any of these little stories I tell, you can apply it to yourselves because it's not all going to be pertinent, but down here again in Boca Raton, we're a highly... Uh, retirement area. There's, it's pretty well rounded here. Now we got a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of different types of people, but there are a lot of retired people. And so there's a lot of Medicare. And if I wasn't careful in my marketing or the way I structured our practice, I could have a, a, a practice full of Medicare and um, it doesn't pay for anything other than obviously than spinal manipulation, but we have our Medicare patients and you know, that doesn't pay for an exam. We have our Medicare patients sign an ABN form that they are going to pay for our exam. And then we have them, we list out that the only thing that's covered is the spinal manipulation and that um, a lot of our care is going to, is going to require um, muscle or active release technique, we write on there, uh, and or corrective exercises, therapeutic exercises, and that's not covered by Medicare. So they're going to pay a fee to do that. And we're not going to um, adjust our clinical recommendations just because Medicare says we only can get paid for that, right? So if we feel like that patient could benefit from therapeutic exercise and or soft tissue, we're going to make that recommendation and they're going to pay for that. We're not going to just pigeonhole them into only getting adjusted because that's what Medicare is paying. Or we're not going to pigeonhole ourselves into only accepting the spinal manipulation fee and then giving them ART or therapeutic exercises. That's a decision we made years ago. We've stuck to it. It cuts down on our Medicare, but when they do come in, when you combine our fee for the ART and or therapeutic exercise and what we get for spinal, spinal manipulation, if we do that on a patient, we've got plenty of Medicare that come in for like knee pain or something um, where we're not billing Medicare for the spinal manipulation. So let's just say we're getting the spinal manip 
and we're ch- charging for the other stuff, it, it makes a, for a fruitful visit, right? And, and uh, financially, it's, uh, it's survivable for us for easily. And then we're, you know, weeding out some of the patients that would not value what we do, okay? And so that was something that has been, that has repelled many a Medicare patient from our practice. Uh, I would love, like, I don't have a problem treating the older folks, but I'm not going to let Medicare dictate to me um, that I need to take a basically a crappy fee schedule, what they offer. I mean, it would be great if, if they actually paid for the other services, as, as we know, uh, but hopefully we can change it, and then I'll reassess if we do make some strides in a quality of Medicare coverage. But right now, it's not where it's at, and I made a decision. I didn't want a practice full of Medicare patients that were uh, only, we were only getting paid from spina, spinal manipulation. So that's an example of a decision from a operation standpoint that we're going to repel people, right? And the same thing with going out of network. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor, Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years and we've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization. There's so much to it and she does a great job. If you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base. Right? ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. I love them because I feel like we don't know how to create content sometimes and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about and ChiroUp really helps solve that for you. And you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals. Seriously, go to their website, check out their plans and see what they're all about. First time subscribers can get 15% off their monthly subscription with the code CHRISTY15. That's CHRISTY15 for 15% off your monthly subscription. And then the other thing is out there, right, is is some of us are evidence-based chiropractors and some are not. And we are evidence-based chiropractors. And so a lot of our marketing and a lot of our uh, operations is all geared towards more of an evidence-based chiropractic model. And that's going to compel certain people. We get a lot of patients that come to us, frankly, that 
would usually not go to other chiropractors. They've either been burned in the past or it's not their cup of tea and they're looking for someone like us. And that's an example of compelling versus repelling. And so in our marketing, we do a lot of that and it really has helped. And so you can start to see how you can lay out this uh, plan of what you want to do to guide your practice. And sometimes you hit this ceiling in your practice where you're just too busy, whether it's just you or you've got an associate. And I've got plenty of chiropractors I talk to uh, that are maxed out and they don't know what the next step is, right? Sometimes they have space limitations, like they can't add another provider or assistant. Uh, Sometimes they've got, um, obviously, there, there always can be cash flow issues. It's, you know, I, that's the tough thing with some situations. If you're not careful, you could be maxed out, but still not profitable enough. And there's not enough margin. And so you have a hard time hiring more. Uh, that's a tough thing, right? Uh, but you got to just realize there's options when you get to that point of being maxed out, right? Is it time to hire another associate? Could be a great option. If that's not an option, because again, you don't have the profitability to do it or, uh, the space or whatever the other reason is, then you could start doing uh, making other decisions. You know, some chiropractors will say, oh, I'm going to add hours. Like, I don't really like that idea. Um, so I'm not going to discuss that too much. But then you can start to make decisions, right? You can raise your cash rates. Um, you can raise it considerably if you want. And what that's going to do is it's going to slough off some patients. It's going to create a vacuum and it's going to fill back up. But now you've got a little more margin, a little more meat on the bone to do other things to maybe hire that associate, maybe hire that CA. So now you're not doing the exercise with patients and the exercise person is, and you can see more people, right? So that's a decision, hiring someone to do something you're doing that's outside of maximizing your license, right? Exams and treatment, especially, let's call it, let's go back. Exams, manipulation, or some kind of treatment that you really only you could do is great, but doing laser on a patient or, doing the therapeutic exercise may not be your best form of time. And so if you had someone doing that for you, you might be able to see more people. Uh, Maybe it's dropping the worst insurance to start with, right? So let's say you're in network with everything and one of them is just horrendous. Maybe you drop that one. Again, you'll slough off some of them. Let's say 10 people are actively under care on that insurance. You'll probably lose six or seven of them and three or four of them will stay in, pay your cash rate. That's probably quite a bit more than the insurance reimbursement. And you're probably making the same amount of money, seeing less people. It creates a vacuum, see more people, more people paying you a little bit more. And you see how this works and you keep on adding and subtracting, adding and subtracting. And that's essentially what we did. Uh, We see more people now than I did in 2013, 2014, when we were, when I was full-time and we had uh, in network with three of the four We've grown and, and the top line and the bottom line of the practice is much better because of those decisions we've made to, to, to really grow that practice the way we want to do it. And that fascinates and motivates us. Um, and it, and it makes it all the better, right? So that's like some, some of those thought processes you can start to think of. Those are operational, a lot of them to make certain decisions to, to continue to grow, um, and there's a lot of different thought processes. So I want you to start thinking is there, if you're maxed out or you're getting close, uh, what's your next step? Always be one step ahead and, and find out what that is for you. Okay. 
Uh, now let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about some of your marketing. All right? I, I talk a lot about developing your clearly defined audience and then a clearly defined message that matches up with that audience. And this is where you really get good at starting to compel the right types of patients and repel the wrong ones, right? And I have that whole audience builder tool that I that's in the book. If you have the book, it's in the workbook. Um, if you're a part of Chiropractic Success Academy, it's one of the main tools we use. Uh, it's just a, a really good way of developing how you want to position yourself in the community, the types of people you want to target in your community, and then developing a very good message around that. And then you take that message and it's on your website, it's in the content you write about, your videos you shoot, how your office is even designed with certain ways, certain things, right? What you're certified in and how you you know, promote some of that. There's a lot of different ways where you start to realize that you can position yourself as a certain type of chiropractor that's going to attract a certain type of patient. And that may be a little bit different depending on where you're at, right? Like if you're in Vail, Colorado, you could legitimately be the snow skiing chiropractor, right? I can't be the snow skiing chiropractor in South Florida. Um, I can be the uh, golfer chiropractor for sure and runner, triathlete, whatever. Certain, Certain sports will be, you know, anywhere, but some of them be seasonal. Like for me, I can do golf year round down here and target that, whereas you might only be able to do it half the year. So there's gonna be some, uh, geographical um, alterations to this whole thing, but you got to get really clear with that and start honing in on that and be very consistent with it with all the content you're creating around a few, maybe three to six different types of audiences, right? Is it the golfer? Is it the runner triathlete? Is it the fitness enthusiast? Is it the crossfitter? Is it the yoga person? Is it the chronic pain patient? Is it the pregnancy and pediatrics? Is it chronic pain? Like there's all kinds of things it could be the desk worker. There's a lot of different stuff. But this is where you've, if you've listened to me at all in developing a content marketing strategy, this is where you can start to get very good at compelling the right types of patients and repelling it. Uh, I've got a client who went from being a more family-based chiropractor to a sports chiropractor, changed up marketing in this type of fashion and has seen exponential growth in his practice, and it's the type of patients he likes for the most part. Again, 80% hopefully we can get to. And it's just changed his life and the way he practices and the excitement levels and stuff like that. So I don't want, you know, I'm going to kind of wrap this up a little bit, but I just don't want you to settle, okay? Uh, I, I want you to to work towards having the practice that you deserve and that um, excites you to get to the practice and see those people. And you got to make good decisions around this, right? Like it's a little easier for me to go out of network and have higher cash rates because I built up a reputation over the years. Again, I'm into the 17 years. I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of professional athletes and be on ESPN a couple times and Fox Sports and travel on the PJ Tour and use some of that as some of my marketing. And being in Boca Raton, it's a very affluent area. It's a it's an outlier. Uh, it's one of those cities that's just got a ton of money. You know, it's 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 kind of crazy. And so it's a little bit easier for me to do that. But I do know chiropractors have done what I've done in other parts of the world. And you can do that if that's what suits you. If you want to stay in network, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of chiropractors that do very well with it. 
Um, there are certain decisions you need to be to 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 make. And I know some chiropractors that are in network insurance, but they're not afraid to charge for add-on services. Okay, so if you're getting paid lower reimbursement and you're doing things that the insurance doesn't cover. That's where you have an operations decision to make to where you charge for that service, for the laser, for the massage that's not covered, for whatever else you're doing. There's a lot of different things out there that are not covered services in the in-network insurance that you could charge for. Dry needling if you're allowed to do that in your state, right? So don't be afraid to make that. That, that one decision alone could change the game for you, but you're going to have to stick to your guns and make sure you charge patients for that and get paid with your work. So you might have that $45 max reimbursement for that insurance, but you're doing dry needling for another 30 bucks or something, whatever it is. And now you got a fair office visit, right? That's, that's reimbursed fairly. And so think about that as well. Okay. And, and so some of these ideas that I came up with may not be exactly right for you, but I want you to start thinking where you're at and just, um, make the accurate decision and have the confidence to do it. Right. Um, it's not going to be easy all the time, but know that you'll do it. And the worst case scenario is if it shit hits the fan and it doesn't work, you go back to where it was and then re- figure out what else you can do. Okay. Um, so I hope this was helpful. I know it was a little bit of a kind of a, a thought soup here and just kind of going off the cuff on some things, but I, I had been thinking about this for the last month or two and working with some of my uh, coaching clients on this exact thing. And I, I wanted to get there, get it out there as a podcast episode. So I hope this was helpful for you. At least hopefully starts getting you thinking a little bit that you, you can have the practice you deserve and it's always a work in progress. Have a great week and you'll hear me next week. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the modern chiropractic marketing show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.